Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire. And you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's why I taught myself how to draw. It was actually the Little Mermaid. Drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than die. jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater and saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the car. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw some spaghetti against the wall. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in for over 100 episodes. And thank you so much for being part of the Rising Tide Broadcast Network. Still cannot believe how far the show has gone. We are not stopping anytime soon, and we just have nothing but great things ahead of us. Now, the reason why this show was called Excelsior Journeys in the first place, um, all credit goes to David Lucas for, for coming up with this name because... I was, I knew that I was going to have a show, a podcast that was going to interview a lot of up and coming and established creatives, let them share their journey. And I just did not know exactly how to properly word it. And that's when David looked over my shoulder. He saw my, the banner for my book Excelsior and saw the subtitle saying part one in the Excelsior journey. So he points to that and says, why not the Excelsior journey? And I look back and I I thought that sounds great. Let's go ahead and tweak it so that way it says Excelsior Journeys since everyone has their own. And it turns out that not only does everyone have their own, but in a lot of cases, everyone has more than one. And that is definitely the case with my guest this week. Charlotte Wincott is someone that I knew from Godwin High School back in Richmond, Virginia. She graduated a year before I did, but she was very, very steeped in the creative arts in high school. She was actually part of the Stunt Talent Night show, which was the show that got me on the stage for the first time in over four years and broke a period of stage fright and really was just kind of the catalyst that got me going. So the fact that she was continuous, continuously like in that in the different creative fields and then from there stepped, continued to continue to pursue those passions, but then at the same time, eventually went into neuroscience. And for quite a period of time, she was involved in that. And now she has returned to her passion of art and has really taken it to some wonderfully extreme levels because her her feature film that she wrote and directed called The Issue with Elvis is just racking up one award after another on the film festival circuit. And as of right now, it is available for pre-order. You can go ahead and get your copy either from from uh, from Apple right now until March 15th. And then from March 15th, it'll be available on very various outlets as well. It is my thrill to have Charlotte here to share her journey with all of you. So it is my pleasure to introduce to you my guest for this week, Charlotte Wincott. Charlotte, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for for taking the time to have me on your sh- on your show. I'm just so um so grateful to be here, and it's just a delight. So so I'm excited to to chat with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's funny enough because when I was when I was doing my research for this episode, just kind of seeing the different things that you were involved in before graduating from Godwin, 
I came across the quote that you used for your senior picture. Since we all did that, my my own one was the human adventure is just beginning that Gene Roddenberry has at the end of Star Trek, the motion picture. But, uh, but what I saw from from yours, I it immediately clicked with me because because you are in this wonderful world of indie film right now where it all depends on the initiative of the filmmaker to step in and do this. And the quote is from Madonna, who said, poor is the man whose pleasures depend on the permission of another. Now, I can't think of anyone who's been, anyone else who's been living that quote more than you have these days. So tell us a little bit about the issue with Elvis. <laughs> Absolutely. And first of all, when you mentioned the, the yearbook, I was like, oh no, I, I have no idea what I said that, <laughs> that many years ago. And I was um, nervous trying to remember what on earth we all change over the years. But what has been consistent is that she has always been just a hero to me in general, Madonna has. And that still rings true. I still think that she She's, she's she's gone after what she, she's followed her passion she's gone after what she believes in and if anybody anybody I could say is is his, was my hero then and is my hero now it's her so I definitely um, still buy into that quote is that we just need to follow our hearts we need to follow our passions and do what what is consistent to ourselves to be true to ourselves so thank you for the question of the issue with Elvis so it's it's my first feature as a um, as a writer director and just used my family so it's a really obviously really small skeletal crew i wrote the i wrote the script when I, when we were in sort of the beginning stages of the pandemic and um got the chance to sort of bring it to life i just i have a camera i did the sound edited it and this very little small movie that i got to use my music for and use the music of my brother and the producers and the co-writers of the music with me it, it sort of came to fruition sort of serendipitously out of out of basically pandemic isolation and and now as you said and it's it's uh it's just surprising that it's you know, gotten recognition and we're so happy for that, but, but we're just grateful to get to talk about it. So, so thanks for asking. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's funny, it's funny what you had at your disposal, because that's something that Robert Rodriguez was talking about when El Mariachi was just coming out. He had an interview with Howard Stern back in those days. And he said that a main, the main thing that a lot of people do when they are trying to get their first film off the ground is they don't take stock of what they have there. And he said that he had a bus, he had a guitar case and a turtle. And he knew that all three of those things were going to go in the movie. And it's, and Kevin Smith heard the same thing. And just said, like, I have access to a convenience store. So there, there he made clerks. And so you were basically doing the same thing. You were looking around, you saw what you had at your disposal. And it turns out based on the, based on the recognition that you've already gotten, those are some great assets that you had there. Oh well, and that's a that's such a such an interesting correlation. I mean, Jeff always brings up the sort of Rodriguez story too, because I think, and I, I don't know it so much, and I kind of had I've had my face buried in just science for a long time, so I I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not as well versed on sort of the movie history as I may have been at, at one time. But we we did sort of we we had we had basically very limited resources, and like you said, we kind of used what we had. So I had my son and my husband. And we, it was during sort of the beginning of the pandemic where you couldn't, you could hardly do, do anything really with, with the, so many restrictions and the, and having to just be around your family. So, so we basically went into the woods and we made a movie. <laughs> so we, we just used what we, what we had. Yeah. 
and it, and yeah, it looks like everything everything really clicked. And it's and my under my assumption is that since you had you know like both your son and husband working as the two leads, correct? They were, and and basically it, it was only those two characters plus. My one of my good friends from grad school did a voiceover because I knew she could. She was she's a, this really bright scientist. And I knew she could pronounce these challenging <laughs> scientific <Nice>. concepts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she did one. My cousin did another. One of Jeff's friends did another. So we had three additional voiceovers, and then we got music from. I used three of my old songs that the either co-writers or, or co-producers allowed me to to put them in the in the film, and then I used a song from my brother, then somebody from high school, Michael. Goodwin, who you, I'm sure, because he was in all the the talent shows too. He did amazing grades. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That is so cool. (laughs) So, uh, so let's, so let's go back to like the very beginning of all this, because there was, there's something that I like to refer to as the lightning bolt moment. And that's that moment when you either experience something, meet someone, see something, read something and hear something and just makes you want to go in that direction and just say, wow, that's the kind of life I want to live. That's the kind of journey I want to be on. What was that for you with with this wonderful world of art, the way that considering everything that you that uh, that you've that you've had you had your involvement in during high school, you're all over the place on there. <laughs> so so well I really I really liked I really liked making music and I liked doing sort of performancey type art. So I, I did that for a long time after high school and like 10 years or so and that that's really that was really fulfilling to me like i did my music was sort of i would do sort of commentary on on um, what i saw in the world that seemed absurd or i just i really liked commenting on on sort of um subcultures or things that seemed weird to me and i like to make them just kind of ridiculous in my music but i'd also do kind of serious folk music and i love doing that and i still when i listen to my music it feels true to me like i listen to it and i think i still feel good about that music and so i was sad when it was time to kind of move on but my mother had passed away from um complications related to alcohol use disorder and i just felt like wow i've been doing this for 10 years and i I'm not really getting as far as I thought I would I should be getting and I want to do something that is that feels more meaningful and like it's making more of a difference like I wanted to understand the brain why people can can struggle with things like addiction but also mental health disorders like I wanted to understand um more deeply what makes people get better, what makes people get sick, especially with the psychology and psychiatric disorders. So I went back to school. It was a long process because I had dropped out Boston University after a year. So going back to school was was interesting. I mean, I went back and I studied chemistry and biology and all these things that wow. I'd never looked at before. And I just loved it. I loved neuroscience. I loved, I loved biology. I loved it. And so I really just buried myself in science for just a very long time. I mean, I'm still a, a medical science liaison or medical scientist. And I've been doing that for just a lot of years now after that, that kind of 10 year, 10 year spell as a musician um, in Los Angeles and performance artist. So that was sort of that trajectory. And then when in the last like four or five years, I started making films with my family and with Jeff because basically I wanted to kind of use my artistic side more, but also bring out my husband's talent. I think he's just incredibly talented. And it was a chance for me to kind of do something different and get back to 
my roots of art. So, so now mm-hmm. I kind of incorporate science and art together, and that's just seemed to be an interesting combination that works for me. That's funny. It's it's there are so many people that are really just very single-minded when it comes to something that they want to chase, like any sort of passion that they're pursuing. But it sounds like what this period of time that you were able to take away from the artistic world allowed you to basically like live life and basically like get your, get yourself a lot of new material that you, that you, that you can use. <laughs> well, yeah. it's true. It's funny because the, the stuff that I was writing and I was still writing when I was in my twenties and stuff, mm-hmm. I was writing scripts, but they were totally different content. I mean, Jeff and I have talked about this too. I was writing stuff that was sort of edgier. And mm-hmm. I mean, if I pull a script from that era. I mean, if you'd have pulled a script and said, I have your script from like many years ago, I would have been like, oh God, oh, cringe. Cause I, I don't know. <laughs> I was like in a totally different frame of mind, but now I feel like I've been studying. I got, I went to school and got my doctorate and all that. I've been studying for so long and studying about science. So I feel like I have a complete, I'm like a different person. So it's not that that creative side, it's more like I just put, I, I just had a lot more input <laughs> over yeah. a lot of years to be able to come up with other things other than just angst ridden crap mm-hmm. that I was feeling. Now it's sort of like from, it's more of like from a social perspective, like, can we make something that actually has meaning and does something good? That's kind of more of my perspective being an older person. <laughs> nice. Nice. Have you thought about kind of going back to those old scripts and just seeing where you can are there certain ideas you can kind of, you know, grab onto and then reshape them without knowing that you knowing what that that's a that's really interesting. So I mean, occasionally Jeff and I will talk about it because I do have like several that I wrote from the old days. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just, I mean, it's not that I go back and I look at them and think this is bad. It's more that I because I I like some of the stuff that I used to write, but it's it's basically like it was coming out of a different person. So we don't have that many resources and we certainly don't have much time. Like we're just yeah. all of us, the whole, all of us, we're all really busy. So, so I think if you have like a finite amount of time and minimal resources, you want to, at least for me, like, I think I want to put those resources in that time into something that, that I'm going to feel good about, that it's going to mm-hmm. at least feel like it wasn't just, it wasn't just something that was just purgative for me. Like, I want to feel like there's something good that could come of it or that can make a difference in some way. It sounds so silly mm-hmm. and cheesy, but I've always been like this. Like, what can, how can we sort of move the needle? And so it's almost like I leave those scripts in a box and who knows, maybe one day. <laughs> you never know. Cause I mean, when I was, when I was a, freshman slash sophomore in college, I wrote this, this set of like five short films and they, it was just like this little five part mini series and I had ideas for it and I felt like it could go somewhere and it never did. But what I did was when I had another idea for a different project, I took all of the names that I assigned to different characters from that five part mini series, just grabbed the names, discarded the rest, and then put the names in with this other series that wound up being my book from parts unknown. So there's a whole there. You never know. You never know what the sort of things like there's always like that little nugget that that you can hold on to. Well, so, that's so cool that you were able to use use what you you had um, done in the past and your and your previous work to sort of reincorporate it into something that sort of suits you and is congruent with you now. I, I really love that. <laughs> that's yeah. really cool. 
It was going to be just kind of recasting. That's basically all I was doing. Okay, Kyle, over here. You were supposed to be the main person that was going to be the spearhead to save the planet from this force that's starting to rise up. Now you're going to be a wrestler. So, yeah, take the belt and go get in the ring. <laughs> and so right. that's basically what I was doing. So that's something that I always always make a point to say for to other writers and everything never 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 hit put it aside you know but don't delete it you never know yeah no and i love that because i do think that that our lives are about kind of reinvention or taking what who we were before what we had before and sort of regrouping around it and coming out with something bigger and better based upon what we know now and sort of our own life experiences so it's cool that you you've been able to do that and i think at least at least with my music i've been able to just being able to use my music that was in a box that i feel so mm -hmm. good about i mean even when i listen yeah. to it I, I really think, I feel like that old music is was really solid. So to get to use that now in the films, I'm like, finally, I have a vehicle for all this old music. So mm -hmm. I feel like I, I'm buying into what you're saying because I'm doing it in, in some way. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe the scripts will be another way. <laughs> now, you're like, now, regarding the songs that you've done, was it a matter of taking out the lyrics and just kind of doing the... Doing, redoing them instrumentally or were they just like using the, so the songs as a whole? So I was able to use the songs as a whole. So I had, um, I worked with this incredible musician, Jason Driver, who, who did a lot of stuff with me. So sometimes he would, he would produce my straight songs. And then he also, we co-wrote some of it together, but we recorded an album, even more than an album, I think, a lot of tracks like years ago. And I still listen to those tracks. He did such a good job of, he used a lot of acoustic instruments. So it sort of doesn't really get outdated if you kind of stay acoustic. But I was able to pull some of those songs out and just, I just was like, this is perfect. So there's, there's, there's a couple of those that I used. Then I had also recorded a song with, with Michael McGordy, who I knew from Boston. You know, I love some of the stuff that we did together. And he, he's a wonderful producer. He worked with, he's written for, written a song, at least one song with Britney Spears, I think. Like he's just done a nice. ton of stuff since, but he, he produced this track of mine years ago that, I think really just it's just really works well in the movie and I just used the tracks straight up the way that they they were so the one good thing is that they were kind enough to let me use the tracks but I also didn't have to license out and pay tons of money to use music because that's what really Jack jack the budget i mean that really jacks the budget of anything if you if you need to license music it's just it's easier to write it <laughs> and record it and faster Absolutely. than you have the rights so <laughs> that's great that's a great way to that's a great way to do it and again that's all about using your resources what do you yeah. have available to you and it's amazing what you can have if you just look for it absolutely and it's amazing what you can do so and this is something that that i talk about with jeff like we were able to make this film on a micro budget like mm -hmm. just micro and yeah. the reason is because i wrote it and i used i did the camera work and i edited it and jeff and wolfie acted in it and <laughs> so all the things that you usually have to pay a lot of people to do i did have to pay jeff and wolfie through sag and we paid them sag wages but jeff gave right. his money back <laughs> but well, that's um, nice <laughs> Invested in the in the project, that, yeah. So Jeff Jeff's uh, Jeff's the lead character, Dr. Mercer, in it. But so basically, what we were able to do with very very small resources was because 
I just learned to do it. And these are not things that I have training in. I have, I have a tra training in science, but I um, have, I learned on the fly. I've been learning on the fly, like how to edit and how to, how to get good lighting and all of these things that you usually have to pay a lot for. I've just been sort of learning how to do it. And it's, it's a learning curve, but if you can do it yourself, you can do so many more things because you don't have to pay a bunch of money. Cause I believe that you can just, you can make these great stories and bring them to life with very limited resources. If you just take the time to do these things yourself. So it's like you said, working with what you have. And not only that, but you have to have the story to back it up. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, that's something that you, you're going to be investing a whole lot of time, a whole lot of energy into. So you better be 100% committed to it. That's another, yeah, that's so true. And it's sort of like, the, I mean, the other thing, so, so, we wrote, so I wrote this, this script that came, the, the story that kind of came to me while we were doing a lot of these hikes in the woods and all of this, but mm -hmm. you have, sometimes you just don't know, like you, you read it and you think, I think this is going to, I think this is a good story. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think, but you really, you really don't have any idea. And even though it was on a micro budget, the way that mm -hmm. studios and Hollywood people look at what you spend on movies, it's, it was like next to nothing to them, but to us, it's a lot of money. So you think well, we're going to put some money into this, our own money into this. And you have to think, mm -hmm. I hope this is going to come across because you don't want to waste, waste your own money if you if it's not going to work. But we just, we kind of took a gamble with this, trying it to do it ourselves. And we've, mm -hmm. we've just been really surprised and, and pleased that people have responded to it because when you make a first feature, you just don't know. And yeah. 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 So it's your calling card. That's basically like the, what a lot of people look at it as. It's just like, okay, so this is what you can make. What, what can you make? What do you have in mind to make if we bring you on and give you this, this kind of budget? So, right. so what is it? So the production, so the, uh, the fundraising and everything, was there fundraising or was it just using what you got? No, there, there wasn't fundraising. There was, there was basically like, we funded it ourselves and it wasn't, it didn't cost us that much, but it was still, it was still a lot of money to us because we're not, yeah. we're not billionaires or anything. So, right. so, so it was a lot of money to us when we, whenever we tell people, <laughs> we've not, we don't tell many people what we spent, they just are shocked at how small the budget was, but it was a lot of money for us. We didn't raise funds. So we basically, we budgeted it out. I mean, I think it was like we ate less, we ate out less or we find yeah. ways to kind of, um, and I'm really frugal, not always, but I, I'm frugal. I, I work at finding sort of the best deals on things and how can we can, can we get the props for cheap and what's the most economical place to, to film this? Or I'm so conscious of that because that's just sort of my makeup <laughs> from being right. a grad student, I think, for so long. But you just we just had to figure out how to do things for as, abs as cheaply as we could. And we were able to sort of make this movie that was turned into a, like a relatable story, despite the fact that it wasn't, didn't cost millions of dollars. Yeah. Now you said that, uh, that this whole thing takes place mainly with between two people. Now, was this the, the location for it and everything? Was that at your place or was that um, a different place you were able to get? So, so, so most of it we did in this beautiful cabin in um, Virginia, in the mountains of Virginia, that um, this wonderful host had let us, we, we um, rented it 
through, I think Airbnb or Verbo or something. And we, Oh, nice. Yeah. We got, and we asked permission to be able to, to do the movie there. And she was so kind and it was so beautiful. Like it just made, felt like it just made the film look, look, look really good. Cause it was just such a cool, cool cabin. So that was the main location. And then we had other lo locations, like we did a little bit on the streets of Richmond. The people of Richmond were just the county people. We had to fill out some like permits and stuff. They were so nice and helpful. And it's when you have, when you're working with things like that, because sometimes you're just calling places where you can actually get this the time to do it or they'll allow you to do it. And you, you go with kind of what's easy and inexpensive and looks good. And um, they were so nice to us. So we did a little bit in Richmond, a little bit in, a little bit in, in just sort, sort of rural mountainous Virginia. And then we did, we did a little bit in West Virginia to get this Lake Shawnee. This Lake Shawnee site was the, the coolest site. And the guy was so nice. He was just like really hooked us up and letting us use it. So we had this huge sort of grounds to, to work on for, we only needed it a day, but that's where we did sort of the bus stuff. We, there was like a, this cool old sort of rusty Ferris wheel. That's just amazing. And so we did some there, but for the most part, it was between Virginia and, and West Virginia. Nice. Nice. Now, when you were writing the script, did you have those locations in mind and then you just kind of went out to find it? Or is it a matter of going around for inspiration and then just coming across those kinds of areas and just saying like, oh, it's got to take place there? That's like, that's another good question. So, so we, so when I was writing the, the script, I wanted it to be outside of Morgantown. So I really fell in love with Morgantown for West Virginia when I Got my first kind of industry job outside of my postdoc, and I was going to Morgantown area a lot for work at the time, and I just loved it. I went to Cooper's Rock. I just fell in love with Cooper's Rock. It's like this, um, it's so gorgeous. Like you drive up, you drive like straight into the wilderness, up into the mountains, and then you can look out, you can look out into like this huge uh, sort of river and all of it. It just, when I went there for the first time, I felt like this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And I just thought, God, West Virginia is just so stunningly beautiful. And it's also filled with, with science people. It's filled. There's it's there's a lot of character. Yeah. 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 Ton of character. And so so when I was sort of coming up with the story, I just thought once somebody who is sort of grew up in Morgantown, grew up in West Virginia, and it just sort of built around that. So then when we were trying to find the, the places to we were trying to find the places to film, we just we had to make it sort of make sense as to being sort of this West Virginia location, which and some of them it was Richmond doubled as Morgantown. So we did yeah. what we could with with what we had to work with. Nice. Nice. And so so you have this whole thing done. You have it uh, all shot and everything. You're using your own capabilities to go ahead and edit it and get it looking right. You have the music, you have it all set. You have a locked final cut. Was there a screening afterwards for for like friends, family, things like that? Well, we, we basically sort of finished it and we, we started submitting to, we submitted to a lot of festivals and that was sort of where it started showing. So it premiered at Big Bear Film Summit last June, which was really exciting for us. I mean, it was like, there was a kind of lull in the pandemic and how bad yeah. it was. So we were yeah. able to travel and go. Yeah. And that was cool. So, so we got to, and the, the, the festival directors were so embracing of us and we just were so excited that there was somebody likes our little movie that we made in the woods. And <laughs> yeah. 
and and then it it's, it has screened a lot of places. I mean, we've tried to go we've tried to go to the ones we've been able to go to. And and then we've Random Media was kind enough. We're so grateful to Random Media who picked it up for distribution and they're distributing it. And and then we've had sort of festival screenings along the way. We've got March 2nd in Los Angeles as part of Golden State. And then we have another one in Ocean City that is on the 6th of March. And those are the two, maybe they might be the last ones. We still have it out to a few film festivals, but it will be released after that. So Wow. So we'll see. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. So so when when this whole thing was getting put together, is that when you had the idea to just start going ahead and submitting it? Was this something that you had in mind all along to submit it to festivals? You know, well, we've so, so we've done a few shorts and that's sort of been our, our the way we've been doing it. So we did three shorts before and the first one I did um had did did pretty well in the in the festival circuit, and the third one I did 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 pretty well. The second one pretty good, but you kind of like you finish them and then you send them off to places, and you hope that that they get in places and that people appreciate them. But the shorts are kind of like learning how to do it. I feel like or have been like that for me. So it's like learning how to make learning how to make films and put them together and edit them and all of that and then see if people like them i mean i i feel i feel good about those shorts because they gave they gave me more experience so we're kind of used to this you finish a project you submit it to festivals and hope for the best yeah <laughs> so yeah. we were kind of just ready to do that and yeah so it was always like a part of the plan yeah to definitely do the festival circuit when you always hope um the people, the few industry people that I know, and I don't know that many, but they're, they're say, they say, well, get into festivals and then try to find a sales agent and all these kinds of things, which um, mm-hmm. I don't really know anything about that kind of stuff. Jeff, Jeff knows more than me and he's definitely was able to, we got a sales agent for this, for the issue with Elvis, which and, and Glenn was just amazing, the, the agent who did it. But I, I really am not, I'm, I'm really bad at the business <laughs> part of all of it. I'm just not good at that. I just don't, I mean, I, I'm, I just don't know how to do any of that stuff. So, so Jeff is much better at doing that. And, and then, and, and that, that seemed to have worked for this one. I mean, we'll see how it goes in the, in the long term. but, but that's been an interesting road. <laughs> yeah. So the, so that first, so first festival, was that where you got your first award? So the first festival, so so Wolfie, the first award that was gotten for somebody in the film or related to the film was Wolfgang got the Rising Star Award at the Big Bear oh, Film great. Summit. So that is so great. That's <laughs> I, that, I I can't imagine how exciting that's got to be. You know, to, well, it was really cool because because they have this little ceremony outside this this little cute little restaurant in Big Bear, which is a cute mm-hmm. community and. Mary, uh, Mary Jo Slater, so Christian Slater's mom was there and she was getting this big oh, wow. kind of like Lifetime Achievement Award. And a couple of names later, they called they called Wolfie and it was so cute because he was so excited and he's just um, had this really adorable acceptance speech. <laughs> he had a speech? Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> he, I mean, he wasn't ready for a speech, but he gave one that was just really cute. And I don't know, he's just so endearing because it's not like, he, he's not been one of these kids who's like, I want to be an actor. He just does it because we are like, hey, you want to be in this movie? And right. he's like, well, all right. I mean, what's in it for me? It's <laughs> <laughs> so like, you can either go outside and play or you can be in a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's, um, and, you know, he's, he's one of few awards on it and so he, he he's enjoying that part of it and he was just they just did a, a segment on us on abc 7 
News in Los Angeles that aired last night. And we just, it was so cute because they used these the cutest clips of Wolfie talking, and I was it was so endearing. So <laughs> I love it the, as a mom. Are the are the clips available? The, the, I the think ABC they're going we haven't got well. One of our friends taped it for us and sent it to us because okay. it was like two two a.m. in the morning our time, so we mm-hmm. didn't get up. But he's but one of Jeff's friends sent it to us and we saw it. But I think it's going to be available in the next couple of days. But it's really cute. Fabulous, <laughs> of, of my son. <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous. So people can people can take a look at the uh, the Excelsior Journeys podcast page on Facebook and they can see that there because that's going to go up. So that way, so that way people can that way more people can see it because I I think this is fa- this is fabulous. I think that's that that's terrific that he that he's able to get that sort of that sort of recognition already for for everything so far. Like that's, oh. that's terrific. So oh, what, thank you. <laughs> so so what so you've so Wolfie gets this this kind of recognition. When did the awards really start coming in for for the overall film? Because they've been it's it's been wild seeing that like one after another one one post on 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 social media after another it's just like you got another one oh, that's awesome. Well, it just it feels like like there's this really great momentum that's building for this already. Oh, well, that is, well, it's funny because because to be honest, like so we had sent we had submitted to a lot of festivals at first, and we got a lot of rejections up front that were uh-huh. just really disheartening. So we were getting a bunch of rejections, and I was thinking, gosh, I hope this wasn't just this huge gamble that we made and spent money our own money on. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, so so Big Bear like gave the screen the film and gave Wolfie this award. Then we just started getting into more and more festivals, and then then we started winning stuff which we weren't mm-hmm. we were just like oh my god really like and i remember so the montgomery international film festival is this festival that and they did like a virtual award show and i remember i got this like this director best director something award and, and jeff got an award wow. too and i didn't believe it i was like they said the award and i was like are you sh- I, I, I said to Jeff, I was like, can you just, can we chat? Can we just email them to make sure? Did they, <laughs> did they really, was that, did, did I hear it right? They, they gave me the director award. I could not believe it. So we've been like, we've been just really pleasantly surprised. But I think that the one that, that was most meaningful to me was getting, so we got best original film at the Poe Film Festival, which is my hometown, it's your hometown, or sort of, I know you yeah. moved to a couple of places, but we, they, they really like sort of literary work and it's just a really cool festival where we've, we've had a couple of our shorts in this festival, but to win that with, with both my brothers were there and my sister-in-law and to, to sort of win that, that's their kind of like big award. And we got the audience award there too. That was kind of like where you go, wow, I can't believe it. People really like us. <laughs> People mm-hmm. really like this movie. So that's just it's been it's been shocking but really fun and and amazing and i say i said to jeff i'm like well who knows if we'll ever have this chance again and mm-hmm. we're just gonna just be just be so happy that we get to experience it now because who knows who knows what will happen in the future well speaking of the future do you have any new projects that are just kind of sitting on the back burner right now that you're thinking you might want to either visit or revisit in the future Uh-oh. Sorry about that. So, so with, so, so our plans are, so we've been, so I have two projects. So there's one, one screenplay that I've, I wrote a few years ago that's, um, 
that's on bipolar disorder. And that is something that is sort of really in my heart to do. It's set in New York and it's a bigger sort of project. So it's not something you could do with, it just would be more involved. And so we've been sort of trying to discuss whether we can do this this sort of bigger project and if I'm ready to do it with because I have a job like I, I work full time so we've been trying to figure out if we can do that next and then there's one I've been working on that's sort of set at the beach it's a little bit smaller and we've been sort of logistically playing around with what the next step is to do I mean we hope to at least start one either in the summer or the fall but we have to decide the right one to do with with our sort of set of circumstances, but we have projects in the works. That's great. So say there is someone who is kind of in the same boat that you are. They have an idea for a project. They want to get it going. They're still you know, like working full time. They still have their own responsibilities, but there is something in them, some sort of a project that they just feel the need to get out. What do you what would you say is the first thing that they should do? Yeah. So, so, and this is something people have asked me this kind of stuff lately because they do have these projects and, and we, as people in, we, inside of us, we usually have something we want, really want to do or a story we want to tell, or we have something that's kind of like this deep seated sort of passion and drive that we want to get done. So mm -hmm. I think it's like, it's so important that we don't, we, that we don't just stop following our passions. Like we really just need to follow our passion. So I would say, Everything is like step one. So even when I was going back to school, I'd been a college dropout years ago. And when I went to go back to school, there's like step one. Step mm -hmm. one is, hey, I have to find out where to pay this this library book fee, which is like $70 or something crazy wow. from a bazillion yeah. years ago. So, so oh, it's yeah. like step one, pay the library fee. <laughs> mm -hmm. Step two. <laughs> send get a transcript or whatever it was it was like there's like a series of steps and with with filmmaking it's like the same thing so yeah i it's like the same thing so you want so so okay do i have enough do i have enough money to get a camera that is second at least because i think I, mine was second hand i do do i have enough money to get a second hand camera that is decent and can do what i needed to do and then step two it's basically like figuring out, okay, I need the programs, which I use like Final Cut Pro and people say mm -hmm. that nobody uses that one anymore, but hey, it works and I can edit on it and it's not it's yeah. pretty user friendly. So oh, yeah. I, I get this program and have it on my computer. Then I get a camera that's secondhand that I can afford. And then I get some sound stuff. So the sound is something that's been a little more challenging for me, but it was a little better. It was, it was, I think it was pretty good in, in, in the recent stuff we've done. So, and that was like, I got some lavaliers, like I got lavaliers and a receiver that I had to figure out how to use that weren't, that wasn't too expensive. So right. I basically, it's like breaking it down. It's like making a 20 item list, but you don't think you're going to do all 20 items at once. You say, I'm going to do item number one on my list tomorrow. And it, you mm -hmm. start with number one and then you want to do number two. And it doesn't have to be the next day. It can be in two weeks or as long as like you're making slow progress towards your goals. I think that's how we complete things. And anybody who has something inside of them that they want to do or tell or go back to school or they want to make a movie or they want to record an album, it's just like, so, okay, what's step number one? And let's do step number one. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. And where can my listeners find you on social media? <laughs> so I have... And I have this really love-hate relationship with social media. So I'll basically... We all do. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get it. Because I'll, I'll have all my sites. 
I'll have all my little sites. And then like, after I, I'll just get into this phase where I'm like, I hate it all. I'll delete mm-hmm. it all. And then I'll have to start all over because I realize I'm now in an age where I can't live without it. So mm-hmm. I've had different incarnations of social media for so long, but right now, um, right now I'm kind of like, I have Instagram as me. Charlotte.Wincott is my, what do they call it? Handle. I don't even know. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. my little name, my little username. And then, and then hollow met films on, on Twitter. I'm just getting the hang of that too. Cause I, I didn't do Twitter for years. And so, so you, you can find us on that. And then hollow metropolis films.com um, is our website. I do try to update that with new film screenings and stuff. So those, those are the big ways. And the movie is all on random media, random media has um has us on their um, website they've just been incredible so they can always get our movie through that but they can find me through hollowmetropolisfilms.com excellent yeah it's um just going right back to what madonna what madonna had said poor is the man whose pleasures depend on the permission of another yeah. uh, charlotte has li- uh, lived her life on her own terms. She has followed her passions more than one. She was able to, to, to basically live all of them to the, to their highest possible potential. And now she is definitely reaping the benefits as an award-winning screenwriter, director. And it's just amazing the heights that she still has yet to reach, like based on, based on everything that she's already done. So I'm, I am really, really excited to see that journey continue on. And I hope that all of you are just as inspired by Charlotte's journeys, remember journeys, plural, to <laughs> and are inspired enough to want to pursue yours as well. By all means, continue to live all of yours to the fullest. And so for Charlotte Wincott, this is George Roy saying to all of you, ever upward, and I will see you next week. <laughs> Thank and you. Right. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.